This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, this morning, Premier Kathleen Wynne shook up her inner circle with the emphasis on gender equality in the cabinet. That's uh, like what Justin Trudeau did. The level here is 40% of the cabinet is now female. The liberals are lagging behind Patrick Brown's progressive conservatives in public opinion polls as that party approaches its 13th year in office. Kathleen Wynne revamped some of the ministries. She brought in seven new ministers after four veterans, uh, quote, voluntarily departed. The cabinet has ballooned to 30 members, up from 27, and she's uh, under fire for that. So is this a good move, or is this merely, uh, as they say, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Of course, with the Liberal Party, it's always hard to say the Titanic. They seem to be the Teflon Party sometimes. On the line, I have Toronto Sun Editor-in-Chief Adrian Batra. Welcome, Adrian. Great to be with you, Libby. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. What's your take on this? Well, I think you've already said it. <laughs> this is a bit of reshuffling the, the deck chairs, as it were. There's um, been a lot of call uh, for, for change within the, the party. I mean, you, we talk to MPPs who are not happy with the direction that this government has gone. They're, they're embarrassed by the public gaps, by some of the more high-profile cabinet ministers. They want to see some change. I don't know if... See, the Premier has a couple of challenges. Well, she has a number of challenges, but specifically she's dealing with a caucus that is, is upset and somewhat disgruntled. I mean, you don't hear a lot of these stories, but, you know, sort of behind the scenes, there's some backbench MPPs that are, that are just, you know, very upset with, with certain things that are going on, certain media stories that have, and how they've been handled. So I don't think... Like that. specifically, specifically, what are they well, upset about? Specifically on the whole issue of the fundraising. Of course, you've talked about it a lot on your show, and this notion of sending cabinet ministers out and and you know the fundraising aspect, it just left a really bad taste in some of the MPPs' mouth, and so they were not happy with the way that was handled. They weren't happy with the way that certain big projects have been rolled out, notably this um, recently with the environment ministry and, and cap and trade. So. All of these things are sort of compounding on the premier, and so one of the the sort of notion is, well, let's let's do a shuffle, let's bring in some new faces, let's get rid of some, let's move some of the perhaps the more quote controversial uh, ministers out of their current portfolio. Notably, I'm talking about Energy Minister Bob Shirelli, who moves to infrastructure now, and of course Liz Sandals, former Education Minister, now moves over to Treasury. So sort of shuffle them into a new area. Hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, they won't, you know, cause as much of an uproar. But I'm not sure that it's going to be enough for for Premier Wynne to to sort of turn things around, turn public opinion opinion around. 
um, on her on her government policies. Um, you mentioned the environment and that whole green policy and cap and trade, which uh, caused them a fair amount of grief. But Glenn Murray, who many people consider to be a bit of a bull in a china shop, keeps his job. How do you explain that? He, that, I, I, I actually can't to be honest <laughs> okay. with you. Um, I, I was very surprised to see that Glenn Murray stayed where he was. And, uh, and uh, you know, the other one that really surprised me, Libby, was Dr. Eric Hoskins staying on as health minister. That, too, was a, a bit of a surprise because this, uh, this, this massive battle that's going on between Ontario doctors and the health ministry. Um, I mean, of course, Eric Hoskins took direct aim at them a, a few weeks ago, you know, a Friday afternoon press conference calling out doctors, you know, how much money they earn and, and all of that. So, so two sort of controversial ministers remain in their portfolios. Now, that says a few things. Either she couldn't find, she didn't feel comfortable or confident with someone else to be in those roles, or she is, she's okay with how they're handling it. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but if it's, if it's, if she's okay with the way the, by the manner by which they've handled the environment ministry and the, and the, and the health file, that's perhaps more alarming to me than anything. Um, and yeah. Then have, and then we have Charles Sousa, finance minister, staying in his role. So, so it's a, look, creating a cabinet is a delicate balancing act. And, and you mentioned that she was trying to get the, the gender parity happening there. And so she got to the 40%. I mean, I think that's more of a subtext to the larger issue with with the with the Liberal government right now. That it's just 13 years in office, scandal plagued. It's inevitable that there are going to be problems, and it's going to be very hard to tamp down the, the fires that that are sort of you know burning every day. Adrian, uh, let's give out the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. We're talking about the Liberal cabinet shuffle. Um, I'd like to hear whether you think, does this uh, let you have a different view of the Liberal government? Is it going to do them any good, or does it not make a difference? Uh, Adrian, uh, so a couple of uh, new not new, but changes. So Yasser Nakvi takes on the role of Attorney General. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, Yasser Nakvi, I mean, he's, he's been, um, he really hasn't had too many controversies. So yeah. moving on to the attorney, I mean, I guess if that's the measurement at this point, Libby, about being a cabinet minister that you haven't had, haven't had a, uh, haven't had a, a scandal or controversy in your portfolio, you're doing well. Um, it's not a surprise. There was some scuttlebutt that he was you know, going to be promoted. And so he's like, you know, a rising star for, for the Wynn government. Um, and so he goes there. She also brought forward uh, an, an MPP that's been around for some time, Laura Albanese. Um, she is, uh, she's one of the new, new faces in cabinet. So she's um, someone that uh, I think that they have some confidence in. Um, and a new MPP, Indra uh, Nair Harris, I believe. N- Naidu Harris. Naidu Harris. Uh, so she's now um, uh, taken on a, uh, a junior minister role. Yeah, but so, she's responsible for that whole Ontario retirement pension plan. And that's that a big job. Is, that is a massive, massive undertaking. And it's not going to be a clean road to, to victory on that one because there's going to be a lot of pushback. Um, well, and- they've already delayed it. I mean, the cost of it, un- unless and until the federal government comes in, the you know, and and the idea of an entirely new bureaucracy taking care of it, and the cost of that is staggering. It is going to be a Herculean task to make the case 
that there's a financial sustainability to this. And so um, Ms. Harris has, has a big job before her. The other interesting one, I think, um, is the appointment of Mitzi Hunter as now the education minister. I mean, it's quite hard to imagine anyone doing any worse of a job than Liz Sandler. Oh, yeah, that was incredible. (laughs) I'm surprised, you know, to the Treasury Board is a big job. So why would you take somebody who basically messed up in a portfolio and, and move them sideways to a job that is, I mean, it, it, it's, I guess, less of a public job, uh, but or less of a flashpoint, but still a big, huge job. Why do you do um, that? Big responsibility. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like rewarding failure. It's, it's really, you know, it makes you scratch your head quite a lot. I, looking at these names and these, these changes, and, and you have to wonder, again, it's, it's, it's sort of like why she kept Sousa and Murray and, uh, and um, Hoskins where they were. Maybe there's just, she didn't have the confidence in, in, in any others. But I, I also think that... I, I, I will take issue with Sousa because you might not agree with what he's doing, but, but I think that he executed pretty well and didn't... Well, you, you could, yes, you could, you could argue that. I mean, he's, he's sort of just doing, doing the bidding that's, um, you know, being presented to him in, in, in that regard. And I mean, I, I, I don't, a lot of the things are run out of the premier's office. There's only so much power and control that cabinet ministers actually have, uh, though they are ultimately responsible for their portfolio. You know, this is a very strong premier's office, and a lot of direction comes directly from that office. So uh, I think that there's, there's just this notion right now um, that just changing the faces around the table is, is not going to be nearly enough. But you made a really excellent point right off the top of our conversation that regardless of what has happened, this government continues to get reelected. And and Kathleen Wynne won a massive majority in 2014. So the opposition parties have a big job before them to, to continue to, to erode at their at their uh, um, at their numbers. No, I, I know that Patrick Brown's PCs are in the lead right now. That always happens in between elections because you know it's a uh, it's hard to it's hard to keep your but, numbers up when you're in government. But I mean, a lot of people attribute part of the reason for that huge majority, aside from really good tactics, was a really bad gaffe. Oh yeah, on the part absolutely of yeah. of the conservatives. And uh, you know, from what I've seen of Patrick Brown, I don't think he's going to make a big mistake. No, I don't think he is going to either. Um, I, I'm I'm sure that the opposition, and we call it oppo research, they trying to dig up whatever they possibly can to to discredit him um we'll, we'll see some nastiness come come forward but you know it's interesting i i've been talking to a lot of my liberal friends and and they are even starting to feel you know disgruntled with this party you know and these are these are hardcore partisan liberals that there is an ultimate a recognition at some point that everybody, every government needs a timeout. Every government needs to be absolutely you know, tossed out. Um, you know, when talking to my conservative friends during the even the last federal election, you know, they felt the same way. You know, they've been in power for ten years, and you get arrogant, and you get bloated, and you you forget why you're there. Um, and, and that's that's been happening with the Ontario Liberals for for a number of years now. By the time we get to 2018, the next election, I'm not sure. Uh, if there's going to be any good news stories coming out of Queen's Park, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, except it's, it's to me, I mean, it's just 
so far off that it's hard to imagine that that anything that's happening today is really going to have an impact by the time we hit the next election. Oh, I, I completely agree with you because, uh, honestly, Libby, you probably could take, uh, you know, a poll of, of uh, Ontarians in certain parts of this province and they wouldn't even be able to tell you what any of these people do. They never heard of them, and unless there's a scandal, unless there's a controversy. Well, I think uh, we can count on be- between now and 2018, there might be one or two. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're uh, and, uh, and you know, being on, on the side of the microphone that you and I are, <laughs> I mean, we get to cover it. And, um, but that ultimately, this, this is a government that has perpetually wasted billions of tax dollars. They continue to raise taxes. They seem rudderless. And yeah, a cabinet shuffle is not going to make any any bit of a difference. Uh, who do you think can capitalize on this uh, more, the Conservatives or the NDP? Well, I think that the Conservatives can capitalize on it more because the not only because they have a bigger caucus, but you also see their leader Patrick Brown really, you know, going out and and, and being thoughtful on on the big files that are are. Um, of concern and are of issue to Ontarians. And, you know, with no big sudden moves, it's just sort of a, a methodical discussion with, with people all around our province. And so I think that they have a, that the Tories have a better chance of sort of making hay, as it were, about, you know, the shuffle or not. Now, we also are in a situation where the House is going to rise um, and or the House is risen. So, you know, now the summer, they're in their summer time, the new ministers will get used to their portfolios. But if, if Patrick Brown wants to make headway um, to, to be the next premier of Ontario, he's going to have to have his, his critics focusing really closely on the, on the portfolios and, and exposing weaknesses and, and grabbing some headlines and, and, and showing Ontarians that they, they are a true government in waiting. And uh, how would you rate them on that so far? Well, I think they've done okay. Um, look, Polls have come out showing, of course, that the PCs are, are, are ahead. But the 416 remains, you know, a red force for the Liberals. I mean, it's just a, it's like, it's like the red wall around the 416. Unless the Conservatives are able to penetrate through that wall, it's very difficult to make the argument that they, they are truly the next uh, government. Not only because the numbers aren't necessarily there, Libby, it's just because you, you have to be able to represent all of Ontario. And, and, um, Big cities have, have notoriously been unkind to conservatives. So, so Patrick's got a big job ahead of him there, and you know, and his team recognizes that. So he's he's you know spending time in in the city doing um doing his his thing. Um, but we also have a by election happening too in Scarborough, and that of course was a former a liberal MPP. Um, the the Tories have Raymond Cho and the city council running there. I. I don't know if they'll be successful. That riding's never been held by a conservative ever, and but so, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. If I mean, it, it, it's not Adrian. We were going to have to go in a second, so finish your thought, please. Oh, I was just going to say, by-election is one thing, but just overall, watching what we we saw, what we saw today, I just think it will make absolutely no difference to uh, Ontarians as far as the the, the direction of this government. And it's more window dressing than anything. Okay. Adrian Batra, Editor-in-Chief of the Toronto Sun, thank you so much. My pleasure, Libby. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.